Brooks, and welcome to another episode of the Cameron Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. Uh, and uh, again, just a quick review of what we do here. Um, currently, all of our episodes involve interviewing uh, Cameron Brooks alumni that have uh, been out working uh, out of the military, working in business for a variety of number of years. We have some that have been out for two, three years, some that have been working for 20, 25 years in the business world. And I could tell you this, in the, the year that we've been doing this, I've learned a, a lot. And in this episode, uh, Clint Anderson is a former Marine Corps helicopter pilot uh, that transitioned as a major. Um, and he actually had his MBA from the Anderson School of Management, UCLA. I uh, got that part-time while continuing in the Marines. And he now runs a $35 million market for DeVita Healthcare Partners. DeVita is a, uh, a company that operates... Uh, clinics around the United States that treat patients for dialysis. What I really liked about this podcast is that um, Clint provides six steps that he thinks everybody should take when they uh, establish themselves in a career, and he elaborates on that. Additionally, I love Clint's uh, best answer to my question, best advice that he ever received. I'm not going to tell you what that is. I'd like you to listen to the episode. And I hope you enjoy. For those of you that are new to Cameron Brooks, I encourage you to visit us on our website at Cameron-Brooks.com, as well as check out our book, PCS to Corporate America, which you can find on Amazon. Um, As always, thanks for listening. Hi, Clint. Welcome to the podcast. Great to to have you on here. I think as we get started, what I would like to to share with the audience is just just share a little bit what what a regional operational director does. Uh, okay. For Devita. Okay, sure. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm a regional operations director for Devita, uh, formerly Devita Healthcare Partners. Uh, Devita itself is the, uh, it's, you know, number 200 on the Fortune 500 list, uh, largest independent outpatient dialysis provider. Um, so, as a regional operations director, I have 14 outpatient dialysis clinics uh, that uh, I essentially am completely responsible for the operations of. Uh, that translates to about a $35 million P&L. Um, my responsibility is everything from ensuring we have staffing in the facilities uh, to making sure that the facility managers, the facility administrators, have all the resources that they need in order to staff their facilities, run their facilities. Um, I am the ownership or the uh, relationship owner for uh, the relationships with our physician partners who uh, serve as our medical directors. Uh, I am also charged with uh, the growth of my region, so that being incremental relationships with new physicians, new nephrologists, uh, planning and driving the development of new facilities, uh, identifying potential acquisition targets, uh, everything having to do with the business development side also falls under, uh, under, my, um, under my responsibility. So uh, having 14 facilities, 12 direct reports, uh, about 170 total uh, total teammates. That's everyone from patient care technicians to uh, to managers of facilities to uh, dietitians, social workers, uh, and uh, insurance counselors. Would you say your P and L was Clint? It seemed really high. Oh yeah, 35 million uh, for this uh, for my region. And I don't want to insult the, all of our listeners there, but 30. P&L, profit and loss, you're responsible for the revenue, or is it the profit? You talk uh, about revenue of $35 million. 
Uh, yeah, that would be well total uh, total budget about thirty five million. Revenue um, is going to be uh, yeah revenue and expense probably yeah let's see here. Uh, I don't know how I, how in detail I want to get on uh, the EBITDA of uh, of my particular region, but uh, total total budget. Yeah, you don't need to um, do that, but but you're talking yeah. about you're managing a budget of about thirty five million dollars. Yes. Yeah. That, uh, that's dialysis is a yes, correct. Yeah, it, dialysis is a very expensive uh, treatment, uh, and uh, 14 facilities being about average size for a region in Davida uh, is around uh, is around there. So yeah, we've got uh, some that are some larger, some smaller. How did yeah. how did how, how did being a Marine Corps officer mm -hmm. prepare you to to lead 14 kidney dialysis clinics with a 35 million dollar budget? Uh, well. Um, you know the, uh, the the principles of leadership, being what they are, they translate regardless of where uh, what industry you're in. Um, and being operations is all about processes and relationships. So, coming out of the Marine Corps, having a portfolio of 14 clinics, it's really about knowing your managers, getting to know your teams, being able to um, establish quickly and continue to build the relationships with physician partners. Um, understanding process improvement and uh, delegation. Um, you know, I, I can't quite, I can't possibly be involved in the day-to-day -day operations of every one of my facilities. So I need to ensure that my managers are um, properly trained, properly empowered, um, and that we have the relationship where they, uh, where the communication is uh, at where it needs to be to ensure that those those facilities are going to run smoothly. You know, from 4:30 in the morning till 9 o'clock at night, every day, six days a week. Uh, so, how the Marine Corps really prepared me it was, um, you know, really understanding how to get those relationships established early. Uh, coming in, you know, straight from the Marine Corps into a, a uh, an industry that I was certainly not all fam all that familiar with, and um, understanding the Operational necessity of I am new to uh, I'm new to this industry. I don't understand healthcare. You you know uh, the patient care aspect better than I do. Uh, what where I come in is I am here to help you do your job. Help me help you, uh, and I will um, you know I, I will empower you as my, as the facility manager to um, to get the, to get the job done. Uh, if you were talking to as you go, a lot of our listeners are yeah. currently in the military clinic. What would you mm -hmm. tell them are things that they could do in the military to prepare themselves for this? You're basically in general management. So if you have anybody that's out there yeah. that's interested right. in this general management type of role, what could they do now? Or what would you tell yourself mm -hmm. uh, five years ago before you were getting out? Do this before you get out to prepare for general management. Yeah. Yeah, I would say uh, I guess the one thing that I did not do a lot of because I didn't put a lot of value in it uh, coming up through the military is the value of um, what, what they call networking. I guess you can uh, either networking or uh, seeking out you know stakeholders and building those relationships. So um, reaching out outside of your own direct report to your, in, your, in your direct chain of command and building those relationships. Um, because that is a skill that is helpful, absolutely, in the military, and it is essential 
in the general management, um, especially on the operations side. Uh, you're never going to be able to do, uh, you're not going to be as successful as you can be uh, operating alone. It's going to be essential to find um, those, again, those, uh, those stakeholders, especially in the highly matrixed organizations uh, in, in the business world. So learning how to, um, uh, kind of the business development skill of seeking out and finding and developing strategic relationships outside of your own um, command structure, outside of your own business unit. How, how, um, how have you done that at DeVita and to help you be successful in your first couple of years of seeking out, like who are you seeking yeah. out currently in DeVita to help you be successful? Well, I, I find that, um, you know, as you, as you explain to the junior military officer candidates coming through Cameron Brooks, you know, the company is going to expect you to be, if not uh, necessarily highly productive on day one, but they are going to expect you to make an impact from day one. Uh, so knowing that coming in that, um, you know, new to the, new to the private, or I guess the, the, the public sector outside of the military, new to healthcare, um, I needed to get in front of as many of uh, these stakeholders, these uh, partners, these, uh, these teammates as I could and just start asking questions. Um, just starting to get to know who, uh, who does what, who has, who has what piece of the pie and where I fit into that. So especially in the first 100 days or so, uh, I made it a very uh, specific point to find out who I could get on uh, whose schedule, uh, get you know an hour or a half a day with them and just sit down, shadow them, ask questions, uh, have one-on-ones with my with my teammates, with my direct reports. You know, we call them informal counselings in the military, but uh, out here we refer to them as one-on-ones. And really just sit down and uh, try to learn as much from them as they're willing to share. And again, to be as curious as possible. Uh, staying curious, staying humble, asking asking as many questions as uh, as I can think of uh, to you know get number one to build that that network of um, of uh, of support, to find out uh, you know where where those assets are, and then also to um, to begin you know hit hit the ground running with your reputation because your reputation you know it, it may precede you, but it certainly starts the second you show up. So what I captured, you know, maybe this is something we could dive into just for yeah. a couple of minutes. Yeah. What What would you say to an officer making the transition that they should do within mm-hmm. the first hundred days? So I've got network. Uh, yeah. Stay curious. Mm-hmm. Stay curious. Stay humble. Yep. What else would you say are things that they should do in the first hundred days? I mean, we've got the whole President Trump first hundred days. Yeah. What would you say, <laughs> JMO first hundred days? They should be doing. Yeah. First hundred days, uh, definitely. You know. Staying curious, asking questions, learn as much as you can. Um, and I would say um, my own personal technique was try not to change anything or uh, I was, you know, be, be cautious that your team is going to want you to commit to things immediately. Um, they're going to see a new leader, uh, a new agent for change potentially. They're going to want to make changes. They want they have things that they want fixed. They think, they see things that they want to do better. Um, a little tactical patience, 
will will help you in that regard. Um, certainly, learning as much as possible. Uh, not necessarily sitting back and, and staying quiet. Uh, definitely lean forward, ask questions, and and find out as much as you can. But um, it's it's really the use those first hundred days to learn as much as you can, not just about the business, but I would say more importantly, most importantly, learn your team. Uh, try to try to get an idea of who they are, you know, what their goals and motivations are. Um, that's, uh, in my opinion, probably equal to, if not more important, than learning what it, what it is they do. So why why are they there? Why are they doing what they do? Uh, and then you can you know begin to piece together the uh, the nuts and bolts of the actual uh, the business side. Uh, do you get are you um, networking or talking with other regional operation directors or other military officers that, that are done? Yep. What would you say is the common theme of things you see people do that is setting them up for success? What is, if there's a, you know, there's a great book mm -hmm. called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, and he talks about there's always like yeah. a, a key habit, the key thing that everything cascades mm -hmm. from this habit. What is the Maybe take that analogy. What is that one yeah. thing that all really successful regional operational directors do that everything else seems to cascade from? Oh man, yeah, that's a, that's a big question. What is the one thing? Well, if I could, um, I tell you, if I knew exactly what that one thing was for sure, uh, then I would probably. <laughs> I would probably be a little bit further along than where I think I am. I think I'm certainly um, succeeding. Uh, and when I look at the examples that I have in my um, in, in in my area here, or the, of the people that I've met as, as far as who is a highly successful regional operations director, being that they're on the fast track to division vice president, could potentially someday be you know a senior vice president. Um, they are. Constantly seeking out opportunities to make an impact one level above. So not just looking at, say, I'm a, you know, a regional operations director, a rod, looking at my region. Not just thinking, how can I, how can I make things better for my region, but how can I take things that I'm doing well, and bring that up and make a, an impact across the division. You know, how am I making myself um, available to my boss, saying, hey, I've got an idea for. Uh, process improvement or continuous improvement that is going to affect um, just you know, the division or even you know the um, the Palmer as a whole. So I would think that yeah, yeah I think I'm I'm saying that's that that probably be the one thing that is going to be the common denominator for uh, successful operators is that they're looking to bring their success uh, one level up. So you, we, we just covered just a, a couple minutes ago the first 100 days in your role. Let's go to the transition. What would you say you should yeah. be doing in the 100 days leading up to a transition, to interviewing, to meeting oh, wow. companies yeah. and, and things? What would you say are the, the top things to do in the 100 days leading up to so three and a half months out roughly? Yep, yep. Uh, so I'd say, you know, when you're three, uh, three months out, 100 days out, you know, in the shoots, uh, the best thing that uh, you can probably be doing is interview prep. You know, the um, the, the entire the, the Cameron Brooks process is designed to prepare you not just for the interview but for for beyond. Um, 
So you're, as you're going through thinking about how you're going to make the connection, thinking of your solid examples, you're framing your answers to some sample questions, being able to make that connection in the interview. Um, interview prep, being able to go into the interview and uh, have, your, have your stories and your examples in the back of your mind, then being able to have that conversation. And that uh, is only going to come naturally on game day if you've gone through uh, the you know, iteration after iteration of practice interviews, of speaking them out loud, recording yourself, listening them back. Uh, it's not something you can simply you know, write down some bullets and then go and do live the first time. Um, the, you know, coming into a director role and immediately being a hiring manager, uh, you get to see very soon how, how well Cameron Brooks prepares you uh, for the interview uh, because you get a lot of examples of people who just are not quite prepared enough um, and you realize how important that connection in the interview really is. You know, the uh, we, resumes are okay, um, you know, degrees and all that, 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 all that stuff can get you the interview, but the strength of your performance in the interview, the ability to make the connection um, to the role, to the company, and to the, uh, to the interviewer, to the, who's potentially the hiring manager, um, is, uh, is essential. So that, that's, that 100 days leading up to the conference, um, I can't overstate enough how important it is to run through practice interviews uh, and just become natural at, um, at making that connection uh, when, when, uh, when it's time to go live. Is there anything that somebody should read Besides PCS to Corporate America, that would be yeah. a leading question. Yeah. Hey, what's the one thing you should <laughs> tell them that everybody reads? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Too, over, too over the top. Is there anything that somebody should read, an article, a book, a certification, a hmm. TED Talk, that you think every military officer should, should, should read and absorb, understand, yeah. before they make a transition to business? Uh, that, there are so many options out there. I'll tell you um, what worked for me. Uh, I, I, you know, I did a lot of, I, I had the opportunity to get my MBA before uh, the career conference. Uh, well, actually, while I was at the career conference. So during the transition, um, uh, getting my MBA, so reading a lot of, uh, of business books through that course. Um, but the one thing that I, I read and still read pretty regularly uh, was the Wall Street Journal. Um, you know, I had, uh, had a subscription to Fortune magazine, and I felt that, uh, you know, it was good. There was, there was good stuff in there, and I just felt like I was getting more up-to-the-date, uh, up-to-the-minute information from, you know, a daily publication. Wall Street Journal um, was, uh, was one that I found was, uh, was helpful just for keeping me up to, uh, up to speed on the, the current goings-on. Um, but as far as uh, specifically me coming out of the military, and into the business world, one book that I found that uh, was actually incredibly interesting and uh, really kind of stuck with me, and I'm actually reading it again for a second time, was uh, a book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There um, by Marshall Goldsmith. And what's interesting about that is that uh, coming out of the military, um, transitioning into business, um, coming through the Cameron Brooks program, uh, by virtue of all those things, we are, I, I think, um, all very, you know, highly successful individuals already. Uh, we've accomplished quite a bit, um, have plenty of examples of, of wins, of, uh, of opportunities where we've, uh, you know, 
led great, you know, large-scale projects, had uh, excellent uh, leadership uh, results. Um, but it's important to remember that even after the transition to the business world, we're not done learning as operators or as leaders. So uh, the message of the book being what got you here won't get you there is that, you know, there's an element of continuous improvement that we need to internalize and that uh, there are, in this book at least, he, Marshall uh, goes into 20 um, business habits that, uh, you know, leaders need to be aware of and learn how to break if we're going to continue to move up that performance ladder and continue to, uh, to accelerate in our careers. You know, I read the book a long time ago. And um, I still use the title quite a bit, um, mm -hmm. just in telling people, you know, how important it is to have that that uh, growth mindset, yes. and to remember that you may have been successful up to this point, but yep. if you want to continue to get successful, that's constant. You got to keep reinventing yourself, and right. you've got to keep um, continually trying to become the best version of yourself. Absolutely. So, Personally, you know, professionally, yep. Yep. you know, whether it be fit, keeping yourself physically fit, you know, spiritually sound, um, yep. It, yep. you know, personally sound, it just takes a lot of work and, uh, um, and, and, and just what, if you want to succeed and be that development candidate, as you, you, you know, be that regional operation director, go one level up. That is your advice earlier, make an impact one level above. So you constantly got to be striving for that. And I reminds me, I should go back mm -hmm. and read this book to get what those habits are. So thank yeah. you for that recommendation. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the, uh, the one that, um, that really sticks with me is the, is the final one. It is the, uh, the compulsive need to just be me, you know, to exalt our, um, our personality flaws as, as, um, as the opposite, as being virtues, simply because, well, that's that's who I am, and realizing that that's something that, if it's a negative impact on your relationships or your business processes, then that is something that you can change. Very good. What is um, what uh, what piece of advice have, did you receive either at any time mm -hmm. in your life? The best piece of advice yeah. that you ever received in your life, and and would would you be willing to share that piece of advice to our listeners? Okay, sure, certainly, certainly. Uh, so I would say probably the one piece of advice that has stuck with me was a uh, was one line that I got from the senior Marine as I was checking into flight school as an exchange aviator at Advanced Air Force Base. So, um, you know, fresh alphas, fresh haircut, can walk in first day of flight school, expecting this to be. Pretty tough. I heard, you know, heard horror stories about uh, Marines going and training with the Air Force in flight school, and I was just telling myself, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be tough, but no matter what, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be giving it my all, and you know, my, you know, my effort will, will see me through, and I'm going to try my best. Uh, so I walk into the uh, senior Marine's office, and you know, a uh, very experienced older major at the time, who was a, you know, to a young second lieutenant, older major, was an ancient guy in the, in the service, and he, uh, you know. Knock on the door. Hey, sir, second lieutenant national reporting is ordered. He makes me wait a second, looks at me, calls me in, stands up at his desk, leans over, and I'm going to paraphrase. Um, he says, first words he says to me was, no one is going to care how hard you tried. And his message was that results matter, effort 
is at the end of the day essentially irrelevant. Don't expect to be rewarded for your effort if they're not producing results or you're not learning from your mistakes. Um, so it's a, you know, one uh, one encounter, one piece of advice that I've really taken with me, and uh, it, it really kind of rings true. Especially, uh, I found you know once you get out into you know, away from the military into the business world, um, we can uh, you know turn a lot of gasoline into noise driving from clinic to clinic. Um, you know, spend a lot of effort and, and, and attention, but as long if we're not um, if we're not achieving results, then we're just not accomplishing our mission. So at the uh, really impactful. Uh, that's really impactful. Roger Cameron was very much like that. Roger Cameron talked about it all yeah. the time. Like I don't care how how much you work, I just want you to get your results in. And right. he talked about how people used to he used to lead. Some people would come in super early to work, stay late, but he said, I never understood what they were getting done. What matters is that yeah. you're delivering, delivering some value. Um, yep. I want to go back to what got you here won't get you there. What What do you continue to do today in your life to yep. develop yourself? What, what are some habits that you have that, uh, whether it be reading, working out, what are you doing to keep your, to continue to, to develop and get better? Uh, well, uh, a, a couple of things, you know, I, I, I try to make that a part of really every day. Um, certainly working out, I've, I've, you know, being that we no longer have uh, dedicated time during the work day to hit the gym, uh, I've been very intentional about finding the time in the mornings before work or, you know, sometimes after work, but it's much easier to get it done. Uh, very early in the morning to uh, to get that workout in. Uh, I feel that that just helps me stay mentally in the game. Uh, I don't feel uh, as mentally alert and and active when I'm when I haven't uh, when I'm not when I'm not feeling as well physically. So that's certainly part of it. Uh, I do try to make the time to read uh, a little bit, whether it's grabbing 15 minutes during a lunch break or you know the last 30 minutes of the day on a Friday. Uh, just grab a uh, just you know, grab a, whatever book that it is I'm working on, and, and maybe try to get a chapter out. Um, but I also I'm aware of the fact that I may not be uh, the best judge of what I need to to work on or what I need to improve. So I'm constantly asking from my my team, my direct reports, are you getting what you need from me? Whether it's uh, clarity, um, priorities resources and how can I be better support you as a, uh, as a leader? Um, I think you're going to get, uh, well, I, you're only going to get as honest of an answer as your relationship is strong with that individual. So it has to be genuine. Um, but, uh, I, I truly believe that, um, I, I'm not always going to be able to see my gaps and my areas for improvement as clearly as, uh, the people who are relying on me uh, to do their job. So that's uh, that's that's a part of just about every um, every formal one-on-one -on -one conversation I have with my direct reports, with my my peers, and with my boss. Is um, what are you seeing that uh, from me that I could be doing better to help you do your job? It's great, Clint. You know, my biggest takeaways for if I if I'm you know. Let's say if I was listening to this fresh, not interviewing, my biggest mm -hmm. takeaways from this would be go back and read What Got You Here Won't Get You There by Marshall yep. Goldsmith. Mm -hmm. Focus on focus on results and yep. 
uh, net, in network. In fact, that's one of the things I'm working on this year is networking. Oh, yeah. Um, and not not networking to go find another opportunity or anything like that, but I have mm-hmm. set a goal every at least uh, week to reach out to somebody every two weeks to talk to somebody that uh, I know that I can learn from that might even benefit yeah. from a conversation with me. So these, sometimes these are alumni, former classmates, some people that okay. maybe even came through Cameron Brooks a long time before I even started here that are hiring from us, have a good relationship with. And okay. I have learned tremendous, and it's only been three months this year. And I keep telling myself, I wish I would have done this before. Because I think sometimes the word networking, people take from networking, oh, you're networking to line yes. up an opportunity yeah. yep. versus network yep. to learn. Exactly. It unfortunately has a kind of negative connotation sometimes, especially I found in the military. Uh, you say networking in the military and people automatically assume that, you know, you're trying to find a special deal, trying to, you know, trying to get in with, you know, there, there's a negative connotation, unfortunately. And um I found that it, you know, the, it's a muscle that needs to be exercised because it's a, it's an it's an essential skill when you're, you know, when you're trying to build business relationships and learn, like you said. Mm-hmm. I've just learned a lot, and I'm going to continue to do that. Almost like having a there's been people that talked about having a personal board of directors, the people you could yeah. always like you put five people you can always reach out to. But I decided I'm just not going to limit to five. I'm just going to keep reaching out to yeah. people. Keep it on my to-do list. I'm thinking about that person. I should really reach out to them next month, see how they're doing, and see if we can't set up a time yeah, to talk, yeah. or maybe go have a cup of coffee. And, and uh, the second thing that I'm going to take away is, and this is for everybody, to, for officers making the transition, but I think it's also good for anybody. Uh, what you should be doing the first 100 days, we already talked about networking, but to stay curious and ask questions. In fact, mm-hmm. I have my key focus areas for 2017. And I write them down in my journal, and I review them every every year. And uh, one of the things I have is ask ask more, listen more, and talk less. And then the next mm-hmm. one is be more curious. Stay humble. I love that. Learn as much mm-hmm. as you can. Careful making changes too early. Learn from your team. And the last thing, which is is not so much for 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 me because I'm not making the transition, but for those that are listening to this or thinking about making the transition or preparing for it, how important it is to prepare to interview because you may have a great resume, you may have a phenomenal track record of accomplishments, but you've got to be able to talk about those in an interview. And you talked about how that comes across during during an interview. So I appreciate you those insights. Anything else you want to add to those? Um, No, yeah, I mean... Practice interviews, you know, as like you said, as uh, as robust and impressive as your resume and your and your your history in the military and your accomplishments are, it all comes down to your ability to communicate that in a way that is going to make the connection and resonate with the interviewer. Um, because uh, you're not going to get hired off the strength of your resume; you're going to get hired off the ability of you to. Um, essentially convince the interviewer that you have the ability to step in on day one and have an impact. Yeah, and I think it's really important for everybody to, uh, I don't know, maybe, it depends. I haven't cut the introduction of this yet, obviously, because mm-hmm. 
we're just recording it now, but I want to put this in here. So here's Clint Anderson, Naval Academy graduate, yep. a Marine Corps, um, Marine Corps officer, um, that aviator uh, with an MBA from UCLA, Anderson School of Management. Phenomenal resume, credentials right there. You just take those four things, right? Naval yeah. Academy, you know, MBA from UCLA, Marine Corps officer, and aviator or pilot. And you're saying, you're saying to people, look, you can't rest on those. Absolutely. You have to be able to interview. I love it. Thank yes. you for sharing that. I think that's really good. Absolutely. <laughs> it's the truth. Clint, I really appreciate the time that you that you took to be with us today and, and share your insights. Yeah, thanks uh, for having now me. Now that I know you're, yeah, now that I know you're in Atlanta, it seems like I'm in Atlanta. I was just in Atlanta twice this week. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, I I, I, I got to remember that it was just because I was flew in and went to uh, to Fort Benning for yep. uh, okay a, a visit. And then I drove from Fort Benning to Savannah for another visit. Flew back and okay. headed through Atlanta. So now that I know that, I'm gonna have to keep in mind to come out and see Clint and maybe tour your tour some of your clinics. Yeah, absolutely. Would love to have you. Uh, yeah, it's hard to avoid uh, the Atlanta airport being as big as it is. But yeah, please do. All right, Clint. Thank you so much for being on on the, the podcast, sharing your insights. You know, best of success to you as you continue with Davida and let us know how we can continue to help you. Thank you, Joel. I certainly will. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, Clint. Bye-bye. Thank you. You too. Bye now.